0: Yesterday is as valuable as a cancelled check
1: All callings are great, if greatly pursued You need those quiet times, you need to look deep within and listen very carefully to what the Spirit is saying to you
0: And welcome to Elder Wisdom, Stories from the Green Bench. I'm your host for these bi-weekly podcasts, Aaron Davis, and I'll introduce Lloyd Hetherington, my co-host, and our very special guest in a moment. But first... Let me give you a Coles Notes length idea of what we do here. Long before the podcast, the Green Bench started at Schlegel Village's retirement and long-term care homes as a place of sharing stories, a symbol of elder wisdom where we get to sit alongside a senior, now virtually of course, share a conversation or listen to and offer advice to help return our elders to a place of reverence. Well, this episode, we're turning the spotlight onto a man who is a lovely example of someone who's been living an already exemplary life, and then finds himself exploring and excelling at something that brings him accolades and recognition. Our guest today is 85 years old, and what's incredible about this is his life leading up to this podcast, because he's also our co-host, was in education and later in theology, He's led a life of service, and now he serves up his own wisdom, laughter, questions, and conversation every couple of weeks here on the Green Bench, a place that has brought him quite a bit of attention since we began here. In fact, honestly, we're lucky he found the time to talk with us. Hello, Lloyd. Hi, Aaron.
1: It's a treat to be with you, the veteran of the podcast. (laughs) I'm the rookie and I'm learning, and I can't find a better tutor than yourself to help me along the way. So let's chat about life in general and some of the expectations and some of the hopes.
0: I'd love to do that. Now, for people who haven't been with us since the beginning, you can always go back to the earlier episodes of Elder Wisdom, Stories from the Green Bench. But a little bit about you and how you came to be a resident at the village of Riverside Glen in Guelph.
1: Okay, uh, I moved to Guelph in retirement back in 2000, literally next door to Riverside Glen. And for eight years, my wife and I would pop over and share in the hospitality, the friendship. And they very wisely invited us to be part of it. It was just good marketing on their part. (laughs) So uh, I I fell in love with the place and determined that uh, eventually that's where I wanted to be. When my wife passed away, I went through a terrible time of depression, managed to have medications given to me that slowed me down and made me dopey, and mm. as a result, I fell a few times, and in one of those falls, I damaged my back quite badly so that I wa- had to walk with a walker. So the doctor decided in his wisdom that I could no longer drive, I could no longer live alone. And so that's when my plans to move into Riverside Glen were fulfilled. And Aaron, it has been a transformation for me. Since I've arrived here, I'm off the medications and I find fulfillment. I find tremendous opportunities here. I'm chair of the residence council, I run the store one morning a week, I'm uh, involved in every activity, whenever there's an announcement for something I'm there and I'm I'm part of it. I assist the chaplain and do four worship services per month so that uh, I found tremendous fulfillment and my life has just blossomed here in this environment.
0: How many years were you and Margaret together?
1: We were married for 61 years, but we knew each other for five years before then.
0: And she passed away three years ago, yes?
1: That's right. Yeah,
0: after you'd cared for her for many years with her uh, worsening dementia.
1: For three or four years, the dementia had started setting in, and uh, it was giving her a bit of anxiety. And she was functioning fairly well, but I, I was the primary carekeeper, and... Mm. For those years, uh, that was pretty well my world. Uh, I would be with her and make sure that she was not on my sight for any length of time. Mm. So when she passed, that was a real loss. And there, there was a tremendous vacancy. And even today, I sense it. But you know what you know what it's like when you've lost a loved
0: one. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and and in your case, you not only lost your life partner, your dear Margaret, but you lost that sense of purpose that you had every single day, every waking moment was about taking care of each other and taking care of her. So I have to ask you, Lloyd, what would Margaret say about this new chapter in your life? You doing podcasts of all things. What would she say? She say, that's okay.
1: You've done a lot, a lot of new things in your life, so yeah, go go for it. And mm-hmm. She was always my cheerleader, always my supporter. She was pretty safe and conservative herself. But when I'd venture out, she'd be right there and would not only encourage me, but help me in any way she could. She'd be sitting back there, very smiling. Uh, and being very pleased with what was being accomplished.
0: I'm sure she is. Lloyd, some of those adventures that she accompanied you on included, of course, uh, your many moves in your role in the Salvation Army and what you did moving to Zambia, where you lived for 11 years. That must have been an incredible learning and bonding experience for you. It was a remarkable
1: experience. And yet, in some ways, we were ready for it because uh, in the sixties, there was the hippie movement with the dropping out and going to communes. And although I was city-born and bred, I kept thinking of it. Wouldn't it be nice to have a little piece of land and a bit of a garden, some chickens, and so on? And so, in that mission move, I ended up in a rural area with a nice, nice-sized field beside me and a place for a chicken run, a place to raise my vegetables and uh, the, and my fruit.
0: So it was grounding, and it sounds like you had very little.
1: In one sense, I had nothing materially. My wardrobe was probably three shirts, three pairs of trousers, very, very little. But I I still felt adequate. I still felt well looked after. So although I had nothing materially, I had the world around me to explore, to get, get out and enjoy the adventures so that... Having nothing, I yet had everything.
0: And as it is today, your health was everything, and there's nothing like the perspective of now a pandemic, but then to be living in close proximity and working with and for people who had leprosy.
1: It was quite an experience back in the 60s. Leprosy was one of the threats to the nation of Zambia, and my sister Joy was the in charge of a leprosy colony of 1,500 people. They lived there, they were supervised, they were looked after from uh, school-aged children right up through the elderly. And they had nothing, including uh, some of their physical assets. You'd see them with fingers missing, toes missing, their nose gone, their ears gone. And yet, they seemed to have a satisfaction. They seemed to be content. You didn't hear them murmuring, poor me, why am I like this? They got on with living as accepting the situation as it was and making the best of it. Hmm. I can remember visiting one time with one of the elderly people who was making a grass basket. He had no fingers, just a bit of a thumb and the palm, and yet he was able to weave fantastic grass baskets, one of which I kept for about twenty years after I bought it from him.
0: Just one of the many gifts that the people you lived with and worked with and served gave you, undoubtedly, metaphorically and literally.
1: Exactly. We spent 11 years in that environment and probably would have continued, except the education for the children was becoming much more difficult. So we had to finally return to Canada so that they could get into the school system and eventually go on to university.
0: Tell us about your children.
1: I have three of them, three totally, totally different people. My son is the oldest. He's living in Lakeview, Michigan, has established a family with one grandson who's now 20 years of age. Lakeview, Michigan is a small crossroad, and employment is non-existent there. Mm. Just, he has created his own work. He started an online newspaper, and uh, that still flourishes after five or six years. He set up a used bookstore. The latest venture is he's bought a laser etching machine and is now... Etching uh, various things, uh, souvenirs and so on. So his creativity has kept the roof over their heads. Hmm. Not much, but they're happy with it. And that's the important thing. My daughter, Cheryl, is uh, into computers, an IT specialist, a brilliant mathematical mind. She loses me after the first sentence when (laughs) I ask her what she's doing.
0: Yeah, that's our kids' jobs, though, isn't it? Uh, It's just like, uh, okay, yes, that's wonderful, honey. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. For 20 years, uh, she worked with a corporation, and then they decided to close that department down. So no, now she's on contract work and has been with the same organization for three years and doing very successfully. She chose not to marry and uh, has a wide circle of friends and uh, it's, it functions quite well. She is my caregiver, so uh, during this lockdown because of COVID, she comes in to see me probably once or twice a week brings the news and brings a fridge full of uh, soft drinks and lots of candy, so I'm, I am well looked after. Good. My my youngest one was born in Zambia. She really capitalized on that. Yeah? Because uh, in school, more than once, uh, she'd tell the teachers, uh, all Africans are not black, and the teacher would question, she'd say, well, I'm an African. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A very dedicated young woman she is. She went to University in Guelph, graduated, and became a teacher, actually getting her certificate from the same place I did, Althouse College, albeit many years apart. She teaches in Toronto and is facing all the challenges right now of sometimes in the class, sometimes out, always online, and uh, she's doing an excellent job. She's married to a very fine man who works uh, independently as a headhunter for non-profit organizations. So uh, they have two delightful sons, 10 and 12. They're just such fine students, good all-around youngsters, good athletes. Uh, they're my pride and joy, <laughs> But of course, I'm biased.
0: Well, of course, <laughs> it's a grandfather's job.
1: Yeah, and exactly
0: that. How lucky they are to have you as the patriarch of the family. But who mm. did you look up to? Who gave you advice? And who did you turn to for wisdom when you were
1: young, Lloyd? My parents were the stabilizing factor until I was sixteen. We moved around a bit, so a little little hard to uh, have have people in the community. Mm-hmm. But they were solid. Unfortunately, my father died when I was 16. Again, that threw my life into turmoil for a couple of years for me. But they were a tremendous help.
0: And of course, long before podcasts and ways of broadcasting, there was just sitting with family and listening. And not just your parents or your grandparents, but more extended members of the clan, the family circle, too. Right, Lloyd?
1: Exactly. As a child, I would spend the summer at the family farm, and after after supper, and the, when the milking was done, as the sun was setting, we'd sit on the porch, and eventually someone would say, oh, I remember, or do you know? And then they'd launch into a story, and the story always had a moral value or something to help to encourage or instruct us. And that is the way we gained our knowledge informally. And they were very precious moments.
0: That is the human nature of storytelling. What broadcasting began as, people sitting around the fire, or whatever it was that we were doing, just sharing wisdom and stories and history and warnings and morals.
1: Exactly. And that would lead to a very stimulating conversation, and they would be able to share their wisdom and knowledge in a very caring way. I found that very helpful. I'm going to have to stop the phone. Sure,
0: sure. We'll wait. (laughs)
1: Mm-hmm. Denise. Oh the, hi. Oh, this is
0: your podcast
1: time. I'm on podcast right now, hi, so you have to call back. Okay?
0: Yeah, I totally forgot. Totally okay, bye bye. That's wonderful.
1: That's my daughter on, on cue trying to try to get a word in there to say, hey, I look after him too.
0: Well, you know, yeah, her ears were burning, so she reached out to Dad. That's so cool.
1: There are so many avenues that I draw upon. All, all through life, just at the timely moments, there always seems to be someone who came along to be of help. And even to this day, I stay in touch with a gentleman who was uh, the se- a senior elder in the Salvation Army when I was in charge of the Salvation Army here in Guelph. And he was a tremendous help because I, I only had one church to am- administer all, all my career. It was in Guelph, and there were so many things I had to learn I had to do the first weddings, the first funerals, Mm. the first dedications, and it was a challenge. But Reg is right there, so gently guiding and saying, well, you did a good job, but have you thought of, or did you consider? Uh. (laughs) He handled it so diplomatically, and I'm not opposed to people giving me advice. I will sometimes accept it, I'll sometimes reject it, but I'll listen to everyone who has something to say.
0: There you go. It's like Socrates said, right? The only true wisdom is in knowing you know nothing, and that's where the learning begins. Exactly that. Is there wisdom, Lloyd, that you return to regularly to help you in times of need? Is the Bible all you need, or is there other wisdom that comes to you and sort of resonates
1: I believe strongly in prayer mm-hmm. and so every every day I spend some time in prayer. I read the scriptures and seek to find understanding in them. I listen to the advice of some some of my peers who are I feel are deeply spiritual who know what they're talking about and my pastor is a good solid biblical teacher so that I have have many sources many springs of knowledge that uh, that I drink from
0: mm, that's a lovely way to put it. It's like the uh, African proverb, and you keep sparking these things. A village without elderly people is like a well without water. Exactly. But you don't get all your wisdom from the elderly, do you? I think there there comes in that place of not knowing a, a necessary openness to learn from those who have not perhaps accrued as many years on the planet, but have different experiences.
1: I remember so well visiting a family back in the 70s. That's when the Commodore uh, 64 was just coming out. They had one set up, and the little seven year old was operating it. And she said, Would you like to try? And I sat beside it, and the first keystrokes caused the screen to go black. And I can remember that seven year old poke me in the ribs and saying, Here, let me show you how to do
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it wonderful? And it, it's humbling.
1: Oh. Yeah. Humbling, but uh, I'm I'm, I'm willing to accept it. I'll accept knowledge from wherever it comes.
0: Humbling doesn't have to be humiliating.
1: Oh, not at all. I don't get humiliated very often, so that if people have something to say, they can say it.
0: I can't help but notice that you have become somewhat of a media lightning rod of late, I saw the pieces that CTV Kitchener did about you, Lloyd, and CBC did, and there have been a few other pieces in the media about you doing the podcast. And everybody wants to know, what's it like being a podcast co-host? So let me ask you that. And, and you don't have to say nice things just because I'm listening.
1: <laughs> oh, it's hard to describe it. I take it in my stride. I'm, I'm doing it because I've been asked to do it. And I, I like trying new stuff so that uh, here are opportunities and only two things can happen when you try something. You either succeed or you fail. If you succeed, you keep on going. If you fail, you've learned that that's not your area. And right. you just close that door and you keep on going. My role, Aaron, is just to be there, to be myself. And if I can help someone, encourage someone, That's what it's all about. I am very dependent upon people. People are my lifeblood. They stimulate me, they encourage me, they educate me. And during this time of pandemic, I find that the hardest burden to bear, the isolation from people. The phone is marvelous. Mm -hmm. The Zoom contacts are excellent. But there's nothing like being in the presence of a person. When you see their faces light up, when they remember something of importance, when they get excited or even when they get angry sometimes. It's just so refreshing to be in the presence. People are important, and I guess that bears with uh, an expression that Desmond Tutu stressed. From the Zulu language, there's a phrase that says, I am because you are, and I, I believe that with all my heart. I am the person I, I am because of the way you are, entreating treating me, greeting me, walking beside me, guiding and helping me.
0: Hmm. It's interesting that how, as we age, uh, we get more comfortable in our skin, mostly because the skin is getting so loose. It's kind of like wearing jogging pants all the time, I find. But in active, healthy minds, wisdom is the restructuring that happens. When the body is no longer, say, fertile and the body is aging, somehow the focus becomes on the mind. And that's where the wisdom comes from. And I have to tell you that the responses to this podcast in all humility, have been just amazing. A a couple of them from Apple reviewers. Listeners, Nick Har 92 says, thank you so much for these wonderful stories. It brings such joy and has helped me through this tough time in the world. Another woman who calls herself Inspired Daughter calls them truly inspirational, special for so many reasons. Thank you to Lloyd, Aaron, and their guests. And another says that we're the perfect pair for this (laughs) podcast. Were you a listener to podcasts before we started Elder Wisdom?
1: I knew they existed, but I was not really aware of them. It's a brand new field for me.
0: Sure. So why do you think they're so appealing to so many and across generations? There are like hundreds of thousands of them out there. Everybody who has a microphone is able to do this. Why do you think they're so appealing right now? Well,
1: for those preparing the podcast, I think they're convinced they have something to say, something worthy of sharing, and now they have a tool to do it. It's amazing how the words flow forth and the ideas come. And there is an audience that just wants to listen in. They used to do it on the old uh, telephones when you had the party lines. (laughs) (laughs) They used to to do it in the supermarkets, listening to conversations in the line ahead of them. Sure. But here we are. We're giving them an opportunity. Come on, listen in and agree with us if you want. If you don't agree, that's fine. That it stimulates your thought. Yeah. So I think we're accomplishing something.
0: Well, I hope so. I've always kind of kept the mantra: "What's in it for the listener?" Make it about them.
1: I, th- I think we're batting pretty well. The guests we've had are so varied, the d- different yeah. mold for each one. The topics are are endless and they're timeless. In every single interview we've had, there's been a way a takeaway thought, something to grab a hold of, and so. If people are listening to these podcasts, they—I hope even from this one—they'll say, "Hey, there's something I didn't know before. Or that's something I'm going to try." And if we've accomplished that, Aaron, we've accomplished something.
0: Henry Ford said that anyone who stops learning is old, whether they're 20 or 80. And anyone who keeps learning stays young. And that goes not only for people, but for organizations as well.
1: Those are organizations that last. Other ones that develop and change with the times.
0: Yeah. And times can change, but things like values and integrity don't have to. Like you got those from your parents and you said that their optimism helped you keep a positive outlook even in difficult times. And look at all these years later here, you are 85 going through life in the 21st century and these years in particular, and you're holding on to those values. And spreading them, sharing them through the podcast.
1: Absolutely right. Some things must never, ever change. Honesty, integrity, diligence, hard work. Those values never change. How How they're clothed and how they're shaped in the 21st century may differ. But behind it all, there has to be substance. There has to be a solid life well lived.
0: Would that be your one lesson or piece of advice for younger generations to know? Or if you were going to sit down with your grandchildren and say, okay, listen to me, this is what I want you to remember, what would it be, Lloyd?
1: Oh, there's so many things I <laughs> I could tell them. Yeah. Uh, during this time of the isolation, I wrote a book for myself called My Blessing Book, and I've listed a large number of words of advice that I'd share. But for the children, remember who you are. Remember your roots, remember your family, remember your church. Don't bring shame or dishonor to them. But also to uh, be alert to the opportunities to be alive in this day and age. Grasp the values that are there, grasp the opportunities, and go
0: for them. That's some great advice. And I love that you keep a book of blessings.
1: Yeah. I don't have a lot of hobbies, but I do I do like to write. And so I put together about a 10-page book and uh, listed some of the blessings, some of the scriptural blessings, a couple of hymns that encourage us, and I, I just flipped through that from time to time. Mm. But in addition to writing, uh, I sat down and tried an article for the Reader's Digest magazine called Our Canada. So I typed that up and sent it off, and they published it in the January-February issue. It's a little cameo of what it was, being a kid it was like in Sault Ste. Marie in, in the 40s. So uh, I seized the opportunities to uh, put words on paper to encourage, challenge, just to keep my mind sharp.
0: So the January, February of 2021, this year? Yes. Well, come on, that's fantastic.
1: Yeah, it's called More Canada, Our Country, Our Stories.
0: Oh, wonderful. Okay, so where did you get the nerve to send it into Reader's Digest, Lloyd? That takes some jam. Good for you.
1: <laughs> Aaron, I'm willing to try anything else. Uh, <laughs> well, obviously, you're
0: here with me, aren't you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't let things intimidate me. I, I don't mind asking or talking to people, and so uh, I thought, well, I've seen the magazine. I see the style they want. I think I can do that. Huh. So during the time when I was in uh, quarantine here, I went through all of my JPEGs and found a picture of myself as a teenager in Sault Ste. Marie and uh, oh. built the story around that picture and sent it in. And I was great surprised to see it, to see it in print. Did they pay you? Oh, yeah. I get a whole year's subscription
0: free. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> See, I don't know because even though my story was a condensed version of my book that they did in uh, 2019. I didn't know if there was any money involved. I think so, but it probably went to an agent or something. And I would joke in my keynote speech, you know, this means that you're going to be seeing my edition of Reader's Digest in doctor's offices for the next 40 years. But darn it, then COVID came along and they're not keeping old magazines and nobody goes to the doctor's office, Lloyd. Uh, I think you and I are both victims of bad timing.
1: I know, I know. (laughs) Tell you what, Aaron, call off this COVID-19. Tell them we had enough of it.
0: You're right. But talk about a third act! This is amazing.
1: Right, I'm waiting now for them to throw the vegetables and the fruit. (laughs) Hopefully, some of them will be fresh.
0: Only if they're grown in your garden. Exactly. Those are the only veggies we'll toss. I promise you that. Wow.
1: I live in a very dependent world. I'm dependent on others, and because of that, I blossom.
0: Lovely, Lloyd. Thank you. It's wonderful. And I'm so glad to have met you here on the green bench, Lloyd. I
1: have too. It's
0: just been marvelous, Erin. And imagine if we did pass by that green bench, the people we would have missed out on, Lloyd.
1: Oh, you would have missed out on so many. We have people who have the resilience to keep on living after a serious accident where a person lost his arm the perseverance of overcoming the Parkinson's and facing life with courage and conviction, even when you want to scream at the world, you get up, get dressed, and get going. You would have missed hearing about education where it's not just the facts you teach, it's the way you relate to the people. There are just so many gems of wisdom that you can pick up just by being alert to those around you. Have an open mind, and it's amazing what truths you'll gain. And the gems keep coming forth. Yes, sir. Thank you for these moments together.
0: Oh, my pleasure. And I'm so sorry that we have to announce here that we're replacing you as co-host. No, I'm just kidding.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. I'm taking over hosting, am I? Yeah.
0: Yeah. You've been picked up by another podcast. They're saying, ditch the girl. You're going to do it on your own, Lloyd. <laughs> She's weighing you down. I'm holding you back.
1: Oh, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> no.
0: On we go together. Thank you, Lloyd. Can't wait to talk to you the next time on the Green Bench. Party
1: to wait, Erin. Thank you so okay. much.
0: <laughs> Bye. On our next chat, David Beam will share his philosophy of just going for it. Plus, we unearthed a song he recorded way back when. It's a special treat, and so is he, so don't miss it. Just subscribe for additional episodes every two weeks, and you'll be notified as soon as they're up. Share your thoughts and opinions on social media. Use the hashtag ElderWisdom and help others find us on this green bench. Please, if you could, just take a moment to rate and review the Elder Wisdom Podcast. And if you find it easier, go to elderwisdom.ca and you'll find the link. Also, be sure and take the Elder Wisdom Pledge while you're there. I did. I'm Erin Davis. Thank you for sharing in these life stories. And Lloyd and I will talk to you again soon. Because your seat on the green bench is ready and waiting.
1: elder wisdom stories from the green bench is brought to you by schlegel villages a complete continuum of care offering independent living to long-term care celebrating and honoring the wisdom of the elder to learn more about us
0: please go to our website schlegelvillages.com